damn, an actual recording is higher quality. You think the people are going to know that we're recording in 4K now? Should we tell them? I don't know. I hope I, we are recording in 4K. I don't I like it. Well, right? <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't know if it is, but I'll tell you what. Trent looks so good. Trent, uh, for everybody out there that's watching the YouTube. So, hi. Welcome back to the team room. It's the three of us. You can see us here on the screen if you're watching on YouTube, which you should be. You should have smashed that subscribe button and just absolutely destroyed your notification bell. You should have hit it so hard that the actual digits exploded on your screen. Don't hurt your mouse. Don't hurt your computer. But the bell, that thing should just be destroyed. But if you're watching on YouTube, the video is magnifique. It's high quality. It's almost like we changed cameras or figured out the settings or whatever. But Trent did his whole studio differently. So he had a little change in the family household. He had to like get a different corner. And now all of a sudden, Look at Trent's youthful glow. Look at the the auto leveling of all of his light. Trent, you look great. It looks like a fake tan. That's what it looks like. It, it does look like I you fake tan. for president. Back in the day when we were using Zoom and I had the setting on, it was like touch up my appearance or something. Like people were like, uh, there was like the three month period where I had one dude and he was like, Aaron's doing his makeup. Aaron's out here just getting his eyebrows waxed for the podcast. And he wasn't wrong. Because, you know, a fellow loves some self-care, you know? I was getting what they call the Brazilian. You can go ahead and Google that and figure out what it is. I don't care. We're not going to talk Google about it here. It. No, no, Google it. Do it definitely, for... and We're definitely not going to Google it and bring it up here. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> but screen. I would recommend if you want to Google the Brazilian, make sure you do it from work from your .mil account, okay? Because then it, you get the best search results. Everybody knows that behind the firewall. So for all the active duty folks that are out there listening... I'm going to give you three topics that I want you to Google, okay, from your work computer, okay? If you don't know, certain state parks, no, nah, I can't even do that joke. Uh, we're just going to we're just going to go on. Everybody, uh, so we were talking before we came on and what we wanted to talk about uh, today, which, you know, obviously is the three of us essentially just clowning each other until we hit record. So we recorded with JT, you know, we recorded with uh, Jared Taylor. He came on and he's like, hey, man. I want to talk about AFSPEC war. I want to talk about the future. I want to talk about TACP. And he had great points. As you all know, we bring, as far as I'm led to believe, diversity is our strength and it makes us more le more lethal. And when we say diversity, we mean of ideas, opinions. We want dissenting voices because that breeds discourse. Discourse breeds better ideas, right? When you put your ideas out in the public square and somebody is able to say that idea is stupid or I have a better idea, that actually makes us stronger, right? So JT came on and we all did not agree. The three of us didn't even agree with each other before that episode or after the episode. We've all talked about it. We all have differing opinions, but it really brought something up for us. And it was, where are we going? How is this change happening? You know, Trent had, you know, some insight from the AETC world. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the changes that we've made some of them are going to be sort of like nebulous, more esoteric 30,000 foot change. Some of them are going to be like, no kidding. This is why we change this specific process and going forward. But here's what we want you to do. We're going to build a thread for this entire podcast and we want you to follow along. And we're going to talk about how we're changing things and not just how we're changing things because change is the only constant in the military. Everything changes all the time. Okay. The only thing that we hate in ST more than change is when we don't change enough is the status quo, right? And those are the two things that we hate simultaneously all the time, change, any change, and the status quo. So what we're going to do is we're going to build a trail for you. We are going to build a breadcrumb trail from why are we doing all of these changes all the way through how does that affect the future of the career fields? And most importantly, where do we think all the career fields are going? Because we had some great feedback from TACPs and special reconnaissance and some PJ friends and some controller friends, especially some officers that hit us up to be like, hey, where are we going? How can you guys flesh this out? So that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to start at basic training. You guys know how that we change scout, recruit, develop. We're here, right? One's ready exists. You have special operations recruiters. We've changed the way that we do the entire intake to SWOVI, the entire way that we recruit scout, develop folks. You know that that's different, right? You guys live that, breathe that every single day. That's why you're here. That's why you're listening. We're going to start with basic training. And Trent, I want to turn it over to you. Number one, because I've talked too much and people are probably not listening anymore because they think it's going to be me the whole time. I was just going to leave, actually. Like, <laughs> you don't need me here. I got this it. Is, this is nice. No, no, I got it. Yeah, it's totally good. So we're going to talk with basic training, right? And I'm going to, I'm going to frame this in this way. When we went to basic training... You showed up to whatever airport you went to. You stayed the night over at, at Maps in a hotel. You thought it was great. You met some folks that were going down. You went to, to San Antonio, Texas. And from the second you get off the bus, 
somebody was screaming at you in your face, telling you that you're a POS and hustling you around for no, no reason. You were just, you were always late for something. You, you never had the right bag. You were always on the wrong seat on the bus. And that happened for like six to eight weeks, depending on when it is that you went through. And that was supposed to be stress inoculation. We do things completely differently now. Can you just talk about the changes in basic training and the methodology behind it from your seat in AETC AFSPECOR? So I, I think some of these changes are still being implemented. Uh, but what I can speak to is, is the, the theory behind it and what the intent is from the highest levels, right? And I think that's where we run into problems sometimes is in, intent, command intent, and then execution. And so, um, and I think, anyway... So the, the the intent is to bring them in and acclimate you to the San Antonio area and also the military lifestyle first, right? Like I'm not, I'm not trying to stress you out as I issue your uniforms and all that other stuff in the very beginning. So it's it's not that they're not going to be stern. Um, it's just that we are going to use a ramp to reach a higher point than we did before. So like if you walk in the front door and they're all screaming at you, calling you a POS, which by the way, they were right when I joined. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Um, that. The stress inoculation theory is that like we're going to inoculate stress and put you on your back foot and like we're going to break you down and take away your identity and bring you all together later on. And that's that's all well and good. But is it the best way to get people to learn? Is it the best way for them to achieve the, the their highest potential or more potential like during this period of time, during this six to eight week period of time? And so is it is it a ramp or do we just hit them in the face in the beginning and start breaking them down and then expect them to somehow learn things and retain things throughout the rest of their career? while they go through the rest of that process. Um, so in reality, what we're trying to do is reach a higher level of training by using a ramp to get there instead of just, you know, fire hosing all these, you know, men and women coming in the door from the beginning and, and, and hopefully end up with a better airman. I'm not sure if that's making sense to everybody, but like, I think we've all seen it and everybody knows like you, you come in, we're going to spike your cortisol. We're going to, you know, freak you out. We're going to start screaming and yelling right away. And that's a lot of fun to do. Mm -hmm. but also maybe not the best way to like achieve a peak later because we're, we're coming in here, right? Like we're coming in at like a, a, a four and like, if you come in at a four and you look, we're living life at a one, like you're going to have to come down at some point. Like you mm -hmm. can't just like maintain like the maximum stress level that you've ever experienced in your life for six to eight weeks. You're going right. to have to come down. And then we're, we gotta, we gotta ramp you back up anyway. And if we go from a four and then like, we expect you to hit an eight the next time, like we hit you with a super stressful situation, then it's just expect you to make that leap. And actually retaining that knowledge or capability, I think uh, we're seeing that that doesn't really work. Remember in Batman when he's interrogating the Joker and he slams his head on the table and the Joker goes, you're not supposed to start with the head. It makes the victim all woozy. You got to start with something else. That's exactly what Trent is talking about here, right? Human conditioning is not that hard. It's really not. Okay. If you have an input, you should have a desired output. When you just yell at somebody, that's an input. When you're giving them stress, that's an input. You have to ask yourself, what's the desired output of this thing? What am I expecting to see? And like Trent is saying here, if I'm just screaming at somebody and I just want them to be stressed, newsflash, I was already stressed going to basic training. And it wasn't necessarily because of basic training. It was, this is the first time I was away from home. It was the first time that I was, you know, really, well, it wasn't the first time I was away from home because I'm a little bit older, but it was the first time that I was you know, trying to go do this thing. And in the back of my mind, it was like, I'm trying to be a PJ and okay, well, what comes next? How is this getting me towards my goal? Your cortisol and your stress level is already internally at like a five, you know, some people it's way higher. Some, you know, imagine, you know, Jared back in 1895, when he reported a basic training that he was 17 years old, you know, you have a 17 year old that was there for the first time. Peach, how high was your stress level just on its own when you showed up? Oh, extremely high. I mean, I was, I was already peaked at that point. Yeah. And, and I mean, because I, I never, one, I never really wanted to join the military just in the way, like I wanted to do that job. I didn't want to do all the other stuff and I still don't want to do all the other stuff. Right? <laughs> so I mean, but, um, which I don't, it's not like I'm going around marching. I'm sure you can see me on mm -hmm. Tindall Avenue on Nellis just freaking, but, um, well now you're, now you're at Bob. So you're not, you're not there. Like, yeah. You're in your car and you're just waiting for somebody like, Hey there, airman, aren't you supposed to be in formation? If there's more than two of you, 
are you not supposed to be marching? That's what that's what Peaches does on Nellis. He he speed speed limits. God forbid you walk on any grass anywhere on the whole campus of Nellis Air Force Base. And if you don't have a reflective belt on, ooh, that's why he has the Tesla. He can like just sneak right up on you. He's very quiet. (laughs) That's the perfect chief mobile. You didn't even hear me come, and I was in electric mood. I can't help but I know we're we're totally getting off COVID, but that's the point. Uh, and I don't even know how to say his his uh, handle on on Instagram. But the the guy that has all the different filters, the the warrant officer that has all the different filters, and he's got the sergeant major filter with the big jaws, and he's what the oh, freak? Oh, Billy, one, uh, uh, one, one punch dad, one yep. punch dad. He never misses, no, dude. He miss. The warrant officer, it. I love it. Like he he nails legitimately. <laughs> hey hey. Hey, true. It behoove you. Hey, true. Hilarious. God, that guy kills me. Um, so I, going, going back to kind of transpoint real quick in terms of the, the buildup, right? I imagine, and this is some of the, the JTAC or the Joint Terminal Attack Controller instructors, um, just across the fleet, not, not at like a certain schoolhouse have been guilty of this in the past. And, and they just, they take you out. It's your, your first couple times out and, and outside of the simulator where you're actually doing live flight and it's just a, a yelling and it's a troops in contact situation. Like it's, it gets ramped up immediately. Whereas you never really have the foundational knowledge and fa- foundational skill set to get you to where you need to be. So that's kind of the equivalent of this is, and, and in reality, that's, that's actually, Say doctrinally, that's how military training is supposed to be is a crawl, walk, run, you know, and, and you hear that all the time, crawl, walk, run. But yeah, in, re- in reality, if, if I can build a good foundation to a house or to, to somebody in their training and then slowly ramp it up. Now there is a point in time and there, there is some validity to, I'm going to stress the ever living shit out of you. You have to and show yeah. you where your limit is. So that you know where your limit is right now. Mm-hmm. And then let me continue to train you for another month, two months, three months, whatever it is. And then I'm going to ramp it up again. And you're going to see that that scenario or that situation that you failed at, that you reached peaked at, then you can now blow right past right. that. And, you, and it just shows you an expansion of your capability, which is fantastic and that's that goes to that whole stress inoculation anyway if if some of the stressful situations in a training environment or a deployed environment i had experienced at indoc or prior to indoc it, mm-hmm. it was probably a, a complete mental shutdown oh, potentially yeah. i i mean yep. i don't know for sure there's no way for me to know yeah right but i do know that after being drowned at Indoc and doing all that kind of, <laughs> right. call it call it what it is, call it what it is, yeah, sorry, and all all that training from from guys like you know Ron Mann, Dougie McClure, uh, Dave Swan, all these Jerry Rodman, Souls, yeah. all these fantastic like dudes that put us through the ringers. Now my my capacity is so much greater, and then mm-hmm. it just increases throughout your career. You know who the biggest problem with this sort of mindset is, is the old guy is us. I don't know what happens, like how you forget. Like I, I always, I've likened it to childbirth before. Like females actually have a chemical in their brain that makes them forget the terrible parts of childbirth. And they just look at a baby. They're like, Oh, I want to have, that's why people have multiple babies. They just forget. Right. I don't know what happens to us old dudes, but we totally forget. We went through this entire revolution in the pararescue community because we were training element leaders the way that we were training element leaders, like, you know, young staff sergeants to be leaders is we were making them pretend to be team leaders for like four months and holding them to a stand without a team leader. Right. And that's not, we, we were like, this is not how you would do it. You're always going to op as a staff sergeant, you're going to operate as a fixed wing team leader, as a rotary wing team leader, but you're having a, a tech sergeant or a seasoned senior or a, you know, senior NCO that is going to lead you the way that we used to train element leaders is we would be like, okay, well, this is your team and you're doing all the mission planning and here's your officer. And you're going to do these entire complex things. And we would just hit them with stuff all the time. And we took a step back and we're like, that's not the right way to do it. They should have a team leader that they, they should bounce ideas off of. And they, they should have somebody that's guiding them through this process. And it should be instruction, not evaluation the entire time. I don't know what it is about old dudes, but we are the first people like we all know these things. These are inherently true 
facts to us. But then we will turn around and we'll look at basic training. We'll be like, well, I mean, you should just ramp up right away. What's the point of crawl, walk, run? We need to inoculate stress. You're like, wait a second. Didn't we, didn't you just tell us for years, old guy that, you know, you should guide, mentor, use building blocks, ramp people up. And now you're mad because we're not ramping things up to yours. You know, I do, I do have to say though, I do think that there are places for shark attacks and stuff like that. You know, the basic training shark attack. Oh yeah. There, there, that is a training tool, so they should not be banned or anything. Like oh, no, that. no, no. never be done anymore. I'm a big fan of hazing. I mean, I'm here for it, dude. Like verbally, not like hurting anybody. The funny, I'm going to put this out there. One of the funniest statements that I, it is a completely inappropriate statement to say to anybody, especially like coming out of mental health month. It was the funniest thing that I've ever heard in my life. So obviously for, for those of you that don't know what the snake pit is in uh, basic training, right? all the TIs eat together. So all the military training instructors used to eat together. And I'm going to say that I, I don't even know if it still happens. Um, and I hope it does, but I, I hope they're allowed to do it. And I hope it's completely under wraps anyway. So they all used to eat together and it was essentially just them roasting you while you <laughs> ate your food, just making like you would do something wrong. You would turn the wrong way and you just be like, Hey dummy, turn to your right, not your left. And then if you did anything that like, sometimes they would call you up there. It was just instructors being instructors, right? Sometimes they'd call you up. They're like, Hey, what's uh what's the secretary of the air force's name. And if you didn't know, Oh my goodness. Oh, in front of everybody. Terry Kendall. Uh, <laughs> I love it. My, the funniest thing that I've ever heard in my entire life, we were eating, I think it was like lunch or something. Somebody drops a, a they used to have like little glass dishes like no kidding glass cups for water so you'd have like three or four and somebody drops a glass it shatters it's the loudest noise that's ever happened on the history of the planet and a single ti it was completely quiet except for this one ti and he was like pick it up with your wrists idiot <laughs> and everybody was like oh my god like we all laughed so hard. i've said that by the way if anybody drops anything around me there's only two things that i say it's either might as well drop with it or pick it up with your wrists. And it depends on what that item is. And it's completely inappropriate. But it was hilarious. And I just want to put yeah. that out. Trent, bring us back to something that resembles valuable podcasting material, please. Well, well, I think there's something that happens, right? If you, if you have a 20-year career and, you, and you're seen as highly successful and you have your, your retirement ceremony and you look back at all the things you did and it's extremely positive or midway through your career, you, you, you know, you're somebody. I think we have a tendency to give our experiences um, more value than maybe they were. Like this is the way to create a person like me, right? Who is obviously sure. the best ever. We've talked about this. Um, right. And so, so people will ingest their experiences and take it very, very personally. And I think that's one of the reasons why old guys, one of the reasons why we, we look back and we're like, well, they're changing it. So obviously like this new generation is soft and yada, yada, yada screens, mm -hmm. Xboxes all that other thing. These darn kids and their TikToks. I will say on the other hand, there's, they've also had experiences where they have seen the command intent, which may have been righteous and an execution turned into something that was not what it was supposed to be and ended mm -hmm. up with uh, a less effective training. And so the, the, there's those two things is you, you see like the, the command intent, like, Hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to ramp it up and it's going to be like higher than it was before. And that's like that, what we're trying to do. And then you see the execution and you see this happen a few times and then it's not what they said it was going to be mm -hmm. because of like the organization or the people, you know, below the commander or whatever. And then you look at your own experience and it becomes even more valuable in your mind. And so it's like this like cycle where it's easy to look at any changes and be like, obviously the standard is lowering, right. this is bullshit. And uh, this is never going to work. It's that it's that cynicism that you get that only feeds into your confirmation bias of, OK, well, the way that I did it was great. And then I've seen, you know, if you spend long enough in the military, if, if you spend a day in the military, you're going to see a process that you're like, why are we doing this? Why, why are we mopping this floor in the rain? This makes no sense. You're going to be like, OK, well, it's just what we do. Like, I got it. But that cynicism really does feed in. Uh, to that, you know, that confirmation bias of, you know, the way that we did it was right. And there can possibly be no other way. But that's so every, was, that's every generation. They, everybody thinks that their, yeah. their way's right. And that, well, you yeah, know, you can't possibly freaking until you, um, get more experience, maybe some maturity times kind of change. And then you realize like, Hey, that method. And, and you know what? That method of training was probably correct. 
mm-hmm. back in know, the time, even in when, the time and yeah, context, maybe right? Maybe even when we when we came in, right? Mm-hmm. Like that was probably correct. That was the best we knew. So it's it's a and this goes into a larger cultural thing as well, but like at the time, that's what was the norm or that's what was right. It's not saying that as of 2023, it is not correct. Right. Right? Like we haven't evolved since then. Right. Right. We, we, that's the whole point. You're evolving, you're getting better, you're, you're getting smarter, you're training better, you know? So like, again, that was right for back then. Right. Yeah. And it, it's crazy too. Cause when I was going through Indoc, they were validating a new Indoc. They were like changing things up. They were going through a course validation. They were literally changing it when I was an Indoc. So we're like, oh, well, Indoc was the best way. No, when I was going through, they were changing Indoc. They were, they were, they were validating a new course that they were changing things about Indoc. And then for, you know, for us to be, you know, 20 years later to look back and be like, oh, they're changing everything. They were changing it when you went through, you went through the first iteration of something back in the day. You went through one of these changes that you're lamenting. And yeah, it's just, it's one of those things. It's, it's so weird. Like we prepare people so much better, so much better for everything. You know what else prepares people better for the pipeline peaches? 18 alpha fitness coach edge and 18 alpha fitness, go over to 18 alpha fitness.com or check them out on Instagram. Coach edge has a million programs for every single selection, not just air force. He started off in the air force pipeline working as a strength and conditioning coach in AFSPEC war down on Medina, uh, now Chapman Annex down in San Antonio, Texas. And he has since come up with a bunch of other programs for you to use. I keep harping on it, but I am getting through his um, kettlebell for BJJ program. I have never felt better on the mats. I have never felt better in just general physical preparedness. It's an awesome, it's a hard program. It's definitely not easy, but it's personalized to me. He's got a great app that integrates with everything that I need. It reminds me what I'm supposed to be doing that day. Everything from yoga to breathing exercises. He programs in longer rucks and longer uh, cardio sessions. So you have really well-rounded fitness and I'm seeing the benefits all the time. So go over to 18 Alpha Fitness, use the code one ready. That's the number one in the word ready. That'll get you a discount on any program that you want. Coach Edge will guide you through it no matter what you're trying to do from Army Ranger to Green Beret. If you want to be a, an MSOT guy, if you want to be a first responder, or if you just want to get better as an old man or better on the mats at jujitsu, Kev's got the program for you. So go check them out. But the problem here is if you're preparing for the pipeline, you're preparing to get in. It's always a question. Where am I going to get the gear? Trent, where can I get some <laughs> gear to be ready? Well, I was just going to say, you know what jujitsu people and potential candidates have in common? <laughs> they want to tell everybody about it. <laughs> and if you're telling everybody you're preparing for the pipeline and you don't even have the right fins to train, no one's going to believe you. And no one's going to believe you. Nonsense, you're right. right. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So that's when you're, you got to head over to attack lead and get all the, the kit you need to be best prepared to actually execute the workouts properly before you get to the pipeline. And that way it's not surprising. Your cortisol levels don't spike. You've already been there. You already know the equipment. You know what you're doing. And then you can just get to training. Yeah. yeah. So go to attackelite.com. Use the code ones ready. There's a million things over there too. So it's not just high volume mass. It's not just fins. They have smart watches. They've got ropes that you can practice tying knots with. And again, they're full spectrum as well. So it's not just aspect war. It's us coast guard rescue swimmers. It's Marine special operations teams. They've got the Alice pack that just dropped on their website. It's going to be amazing. So go to attackelite.com. Make sure you're ready to get in this pipeline and make sure you're ready to accept all the changes that we're making with the end state of the future health of the career fields. So while we're talking about that, we've already talked about this. I don't want to, I don't want to spend so much time. I, that was a segue in and out of an ad read, by the way, I just want to put that out there. That's, that is the new standard. Yeah, <laughs> so, don't, don't expect that out of me. <laughs> that's that's what we call a little baked in ad read in the biz everybody so i don't want to talk about it a lot because we've covered it a a shit ton um but swick special warfare candidate course we're just going to rapid fire some of the changes the swick cadre have now made a pre-accession fitness plan that they're getting ready to drop they train you specifically for every single test they have strength and conditioning coaches you sleep in a temperature controlled room on a mattress that actually helps you recover. They have mobility built in. They have float tanks, hot therapy, cold therapy, any uh, nutrition. Like you, you've seen the memes. Shout out Cone News Network. Shout out SOT Team 6. Shout out everybody on the Discord making the memes. You got Uncrustables on deck. People just stuffing their pockets with peanut butter and jelly sandwiches rolling around. You know, they got the Uncrustables, dog. If, if you're not hip to that, I'll tell you what. Apparently, there's I don't, I don't know what the team colors are. 
but some one of the teams always gets mad at the other team that's like not in training because they come back and they want a PB and J and there's no PB and J and that's like eighty percent of the memes. So yeah, spoiler it, alert: it was the cadre that took them. One hundred percent is when Don't the, mind the, if the I do while I'm walking out. Exactly. Yeah, the cadre know when you're training and when you're not in that area, and they're like, "You only get a yoink, a little little hungry piece for daddy," and then they walk out. Um, but all of those changes are set up to specifically get after something. It's not just like we're like, oh, these young kids, they get all this stuff. We did it for a reason. And we're actually seeing a lot of those benefits on the back end now, like a decrease in musculoskeletal injuries, an increase in individual knowledge and individual ability, mobility, durability to complete the pipeline and get ready for ANS, right? So following this little thread that we're building for you here, the building block of SWIC, the eight-week program that all cross trainees, all enlisted folks go to at this point, it's there for a reason, and it's to support a completely different sort of candidate. It's not just show up at in-dock and get punched in the face for 10 weeks, and if you're there, you're there. Like We need a different candidate because we are going different places, and SWIC is kind of the first step up, right? BMT has already has given you the baseline. SWIC is that first step in crawl, walk, run. So SWIC, you're crawling, and you're, we've completely revolutionized the course to get you ready for ANS. So you could say that BMT is actually following SW's AFSPEC Wars lead by implementing the uh, the crawl, walk, run model. Newsflash, everybody. Do you guys know how military operations works? Special operations, usually the tier one units, innovate. They come up with technology, techniques, t- techniques, uh, tactics, techniques, and procedures. And then that filters down to the white side soft. So usually what it does is it goes tier one, and then it goes down to the normal soft. And then guess who adopts it after that? Usually like those middle ground sort of areas, like fighters, some of the security forces stuff, like in between kind of like the baseline AF and, and AFSPEC war, they take best practices. And then guess who, guess who adopts it a little bit later in the timeline, the regular forces, the conventional forces. That's how these things play out, right? Because typically the, the special operations forces and all services, they have innovators, they have people that are on the bleeding edge of things, they're using the newest technology. And as that, guess what? The Air Force is now talking about everybody, about basic trainees wearing wearables during basic training. You know why? Because we did it and there's good information in there and they can figure out how to actually manage stress appropriately. Fancy that. <laughs> well, it's a lot easier to turn around a, a jet ski or a speedboat than it is a big aircraft carrier. So, Wow. You know, I oh. thought you were going to use some, I thought you were going to use like a fighter jet. Yeah, it's easier to turn an F-22 than it is to turn a C-5, but okay. The Navy stuff. I like it. I like it. It's joint. It's very it's joint. Joint player, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm joint. <laughs> He's joint, baby. I think purple. <laughs> what? Fanta- fantastic. Yeah. Right. <laughs> fantastic. Um, I, I know most people probably won't get that. The active duty folks will get it. Yeah, the three people that are active duty that are yeah, still listening are totally going to laugh at that. Yeah, so that's that's the three of us. So, <laughs> so we get through A and S. We've we've beaten you know this this horse to death, right? We're looking for attributes now. We're mixing in the incredible physical thing. What I'm going to say is the same thing we always say: attrition rates really haven't gone through the roof, guys. So A and S, we're looking for that same candidate. We're looking to shore up some of these problems that we had, but we're changing for a reason. We need a different brand of candidate to go through to get to the future of where aspect war is going, right? Because that's that's what we're talking about this whole time. Um, as you get through pre-dive, we changed the entire way that we did pre-dive. We've changed the entire way. If you listen to the, you know, we, we've got a CCT deep dive coming out where we talk about the reason why the controllers, the PJs, the TACPs, everybody now is really following the same progression in the pipeline. We tried it differently for a long time. So again, this is, this is kind of going back to history for everybody. That's like, oh, the, the pipeline is so silly now. Well, that's the way that it used to be. You you know, peaches went to indoc peaches went (laughs) to essentially to a pre-dive and then to dive school right away. Well, what are we doing now? You're going to assessment selection and then you're going to pre-dive and then you're going to dive school all together as one big group. You know why? Because that's the way that it works best. So that's that's why we changed it going forward because it makes it most efficient for everybody. Trent, you, you know the pipeline better than anybody else. What are some efficiencies that we've built into the pipeline that are really working or showing that have good benefit for us now? 
I mean, I don't, I don't know if there's any new efficiencies, like putting everybody together. Like there's, it's just, just like everything else. And I, I know I play both sides of the fence every time I answer a question. Uh, but it, it's nice to have the, the cadre from multiple career fields selecting the people out mm-hmm. so that it takes fewer guys to, to select out the same number of people per career field. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what, what we're running into now is, is coming back to this new pipeline is we're being a little too efficient at times. We're seeing some of those some issues where, you know, getting people through dive and, and free fall and, and, uh, and having enough seats for everybody is like a constant from, from where I sit, a constant issue that we're always trying to solve. So it, it's working out. It's just, um, you know, when, when we first started this whole process and I was lucky enough to be in the room when we started, you know, moving back towards the, the combined, you know, when we're setting up our own group and all mm-hmm. these other things, the intent was to break the pipeline. Right. I knew it was going to happen. It, so that was all. Yeah. And for everybody out there, that's always been the intent like that. The, yeah. the, the term break the pipeline. We started saying that and I don't know how long ago it was, but I know for sure that I was saying it in 2015, 2016, yep. when they were like, well, what's your goal here? You know, kind of as I was moving in that op super role in Kirtland, they were like, well, what's your goal? And I was like, the intent is to break the pipeline. The, the intent is to have so many people that are waiting to get into the, into the, the apprentice course that we have to have five classes, not three a year that we have to have six classes a year. That's always been the intent. And, and as we talk about change <clears throat> coming, coming through that process, there were the, there was those two types of people even back then as, as we were moving back. Right. And, and we talk about, uh, uh, um, everything always changing. There's, there's two types of people. There's the people that are going to start the room in and, and people that don't accept the change. Sure. And they're going to, they're going to try to sabotage it from the beginning. Maybe not even sabotage it, but just like naysay and not be involved and then if it fails, it's not their fault. And that way their their own ego is protected. And there right. are the people that take ownership. There are those change ages that take ownership and realize that nothing's ever going to stay the same because they're adults and they're going to jump in there and do the best that they can and have the confidence to know that if I'm not involved, then I don't get a say. It you know, like I could I could be a a, a TI right right now as mm-hmm. we're going through these changes and I can sit back and be like, this is stupid. It's only going to get weaker and I'm not even going to participate and I'm not going to do my job to the fullest. Or I could be one of those guys that's like, hey, I see the command intent. I am actually going to ramp these kids up and I'm going to make sure that with my level of influence that we hit this commander's intent, that the, the peak of the training wherever we're at is higher than it was before and uh, and do your best. So that, yeah, that's that, normal. That was my little change thing. Mm-hmm. That's 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 easier to to not be involved, not have any skin in the game, and still be able to chuck spears. Like it's easier to snipe from the sidelines, as always. Yeah. It's always easier to to camp and to yeah. just snipe than it is to actually engage and put your own <laughs> career on the line. Aaron, I know you're going to pull through with this, but uh, what with the lyrics, Chris Brown, you can't even can't even. Why are you in? hating from outside the club? You, you can't even get in. Say, come you on. Go. Come on, Lego. you know I got you. Lego. By the way, I <laughs> do not subscribe to Chris Brown. <laughs> Chris Brown <laughs> beat the crap out of Rihanna. Yeah. That is not a tacit I, approval of Chris Brown or his personal behavior. It was just a quote of a rap lyric. So everybody, calm yeah. down. Don't me to me on this one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it is it is easier to hate. It's, I, and I I want to say um, like I think that is that is one of the reasons that the and I'm I'm love. I'm trying to navigate this in my own brain before I say it because I don't want to mm-hmm. get anybody, especially in uh, some of the wing leadership role, to to get upset with me about this. Just desk pop. No, just say. It. Just don't. Just don't even think. Just just say it as fast <laughs> as you possibly can. Just desk pop. Yeah. Um. So when when the new wing leadership got in that replaced uh, the special warfare wing, right? That are mm-hmm. that are, um, like I non special warfare career field. We, yeah, we went. Yep you know, we were at Millen Hall together. Like I flown him. He's thrown me out the plane, like, uh, like right on. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was some of the feedback is that people that were on the inside were like, why do we have somebody from the outside coming in, mm-hmm. uh, in a, in a leadership role? Right. So there are two ways that you can think about it. And, and I'm not an advocate for either one. I'm just stating facts here. Mm-hmm. There are two ways you can look at it. You can look at it as in like, Hey, that's bullshit somebody on an outsider that doesn't understand the way uh when our culture what we're trying to get after um you know xyz about you know a lot of assumptions that we do that's that shouldn't be happening 
Mm-hmm. And, and and maybe that's right. The other part of it is like, okay, well, and, and companies do this. They bring in folks from the outside that don't have any kind of bias to then look at your processes and look at what you've got going on to give you some objective feedback and like, hey, I've noticed like you're so deep in it. You don't see it. You got blinders on. But hey, I noticed that this is doing this, 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 which is resulting in X, Y, Z. Maybe we can stop this portion of it or adjust this portion of it and we get a different output. Like, so that's the other way you can look at it. Like I said, I, I'm not advocating for one or the other, but it's not like this is the first time this has ever happened. No. Uh, yeah, but companies do it all the time. Military General, does it all the time. General Brown, our CSAF, was just nominated to take over the Joint mm-hmm. Chiefs of Staff. Okay. People serve in these positions like not he's not a special operations leader yet. He's going to lead all four services and all four soft branches and all like he's going to do all these things. Right. Like we have people. And oh, by the way, he he was not a special operator, yet we still found a way to work for the general. So having somebody else come in to lead your organization. Now, there, there's obviously a watershed, right? Like there's a there's a, a line that they probably shouldn't cross. Right. Like, I don't know. We can start a team leader. So you probably shouldn't be a special warfare officer in charge of a small team if you're not actually a special warfare officer. Right. That's a great. Yeah. Good. Good input. Everybody out there. But when you start getting higher, like, you know, squadron commander is probably that right line for me for officers. You probably shouldn't be a squadron commander if you're really not a special warfare officer. You really do need an intimate relationship with the teams that you lead. And as a squadron commander, you do have an intimate relationship with those teams that you lead. But when you're talking group commander, when you're talking wing commander, you're managing a huge force, thousands of people. You're telling me that you like how many how many AFSCs are in your wing, Peaches? Like 40? Oh, in the in the wing, I'd have to ask. Well, how about just within my group within the weapon school? Like we have a we have a ton. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I know. He, he almost did drop the F on there. An F ton. Yeah, yeah, a metric so F ton. It was so close. Yeah, I saw it. I saw his, his face made this one. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, we have, you know, we have a bunch. I, I don't know anything about flying an F-22, F-35, F-16. I don't know anything. I've heard about, it's easy. You know, <laughs> flying a C-130. <laughs> basically C-17. autopilot. You should see my face when I'm talking to the cyber and the space dudes. And they're talking yeah. to me about LEO stuff and like, and I'm, uh-huh. And yeah. and they're phenomenal yeah. instructors because after talking with them, I do get it a, li- a little bit. I do have, yeah, at enough. least an understanding. I can understand yeah. terms at that point. Right. But other than that, like, but yet here I am, I, I'm the group chief. Okay, cool. Because in, in my position, it is taking care of them mm-hmm. and making forward progress for their specific career fields and their uh, syllabus and that, and that kind of stuff. I don't need to be a, a somebody, you know, a cyber hacker. I don't need to be an F 16 pilot or an a 10 driver or anything like that. Yeah. Same, same with the, the commander. He's an F 22 guy, right? Mm-hmm. He, but I tell you what, the dude's wicked smart and he knows a bit about everything. And that's, that's all it is. It's, it kind of goes to, and I think I've talked about it on here. It, it's once you, when you're at a squadron level or you're in a team room and, and you're whatever your, your scope or your, um, the broad broadness of your knowledge is, is smaller, but you have a lot of depth in mm-hmm. your specific, um, career field and your, you know, tactical level of thinking and, and experience. But once you get to a certain level, it's not, it's less important to have that depth and it's more important to have that broadness of the breadth of yeah. knowledge, right? Yeah. Because you've got to be able to navigate, like I've got to be able to navigate promotion and assignment cycles within the air force. Now, never had to do that on team. I right. Just yeah. I just go <laughs> yeah. to the chief or, or the functional and go, Hey, I'd really like orders or I'd see it on equals plus or talent marketplace and go click that ad. Cause I want to go there. Right. You know? Now and I now you're now. the chief. Now you're the adult. You needed an adult, and now you are the adult. And now, when people don't get the assignment they want, I'm I'm the guy that's <laughs> you know public yeah. enemy number one. And you know, we just had Bones Cook on. Russell Bones Cook is an awesome dude. He's a sixty pilot. He's in charge of the twenty third wing. He ha- he has got to have more than a hundred AFSCs. Oh he's got gosh, every yeah. single walk of life. Like. The fact that he's a helicopter pilot, do you think the C-130 guys are like, oh, this guy's an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about because he doesn't know specific stuff about the C-130. Listen, it's just different, right? 
it's just it just is what it is yeah there there are but i I think those guys are probably wrong and i'm not saying the c-130 guys (laughs) i'm saying anybody that uses that voice um but again, it's to get after what we're going. It's it's to get us in to the next fight. It's it's bringing in those cyber folks, those space folks, those people with different experiences, those people with different ways of solving problems. And it, it's to help us transition into the future. We've done it all the way through the pipeline. And we even reorganized the teams on ST recently. You know, we used to have, it, it's gone, I don't know how many different iterations at this time. I've been on teams that were referred to by color, teams that were referred to by number, Teams that were referred troops. to by troops, teams that were referred to by animals, uh, and now we're in Alpha Flight and Bravo emojis. Flight. Oh, no. Emo- emojis yet. is coming next. Yeah, I want to oh, be I the have... eggplant troop right away. I want to be fire emoji, eggplant, little one hundred symbol. That's what I want to I be on be my patch. Three fire emojis. That's what I want. Three fire. <laughs> so hot right now. Three fire emojis means you're so hot right now. Uh, Oh, fantastic. I love inside baseball. Um, but it, that's just to say that these things have changed a million times. And the reason that we're doing it now, but like people are just like, oh, this is dumb. You're taking away our, uh, you know, our individualism. You're taking away our, you know, history as, a, you know, a flight or a team or a troop or a blue team or a silver team or whatever. Does it really matter? Is the question I always ask. Number one, does it matter what they call you? Does it matter? what it says on your EPR for your job title well, or for sure what it does. If I got a tattoo of it, <laughs> well, yeah, that's a, that's a heck of a point. That's more of a personal choice than anything else. Um, at least you and Blade. And I will lie. Like I have stuff that says silver team on it that I'm super proud of. I have stuff that says five troop on it that I'm super proud of. You know, I've got, it's not, I got, it's, it's not the, the Yeti that you're proud of. It's not the right. color that you're proud of. It's, it's being proud of the folks that you had on your team and the, mm-hmm. and the amazing things that you guys did and the experiences that you did. That's what you're proud of. Yeah. You're not proud 100%. of the fact that it's, you know, blue team show some sack or whatever it is. Right. Sure. It's like it's just, you remember those f- phenomenal times that you had on team with the great people and in yeah. good times, bad times and in mourning the loss of somebody versus like just absolutely destroying a target. Like it yeah. is, it is all those things that you're you're uh, remembering and have that tie to. Mm-hmm. So so let's talk about that. I, I know we've been talking about some of the, the negatives a lot, but like let's let's go, move into it. I think we we promised that we we're going to talk about the future of the you know career fields, aspect war in general, and all of those things. And and that's kind of where we started. And like, what are the most important things moving forward? A like, where do you guys see um, everything going in like a general sense? And and based on your experience that you've had in the Air Force so far, and then what what are the things that we need to be focusing? What, what, what are the, the most important things moving forward? And what are the, the sticking points to us uh, being successful, as successful as we could be moving forward? As an organization or as individuals? Let, are, well, let's, let's, do, let's build it from individuals out and we'll do it by career field, right? Because I think that's the easiest way because that's where our subject matter expertise lies. So Peaches, why don't, why don't you talk about control and, and where you see it going and, and hit Trent's question? Oh, boy. That's um okay. I can so start with th- I can start with PJ because it's I mean, it's honestly the easiest. <laughs> okay, we'll go, go with that because I I do want to say as a disclaimer, like the there are things changing. What we say yeah. right now may or may not be the one hundred percent solution, but like, right. this is the way we we see it. Training the out of the conversations that the three of us are in, which we're uh, I would think we're not in all the conversations by any no, means. Not not any not anywhere close. Yeah, but this is the way we see it trending. Yeah. So we, we hit it a little bit on JT's podcast and and he said straight up, he was like, you know, pararescue going into the future. You know, I, I think his direct quote was, yeah, you guys are the only ones wearing body armor in these scenarios as we talk about where we're going forward. CSAR is always going to be min force. Personal recovery is a doctrinal function that is going to go nowhere. Right now, that doesn't mean we don't need to evolve. That doesn't mean that we're not going to have problems going forward. And we're going to find we need to find a way to integrate into all of not only just in the air force, there are five commands that have pararescue men assigned, right? There's not a whole lot of unity of command. This came out. There was a thing called the force improvement project way back in the day, 2015. They basically pulled every single operator and they came up with something ridiculous, like 400 action items, right? So you ask the entire force, what are the things? Well, the top three or four had to do with unity of command and unity of effort. 
inside of pararescue, you have ACC. Um, it's actually the second largest command preponderance of forces, but the first is guard and reserve. For people that aren't tracking, the most pararescue men and combat rescue officers that exist are in the guard and reserve command. But it's not a it's not a it's not a complete and total like thing because it's all different states, right? Like Alaska has a huge team, New York has a huge team, DM has a huge team, Florida has a huge team, on and on and on, right? And then there are also PJs that work for AFSOC in the 123rd and the 125th in the STS, the guard uh, STSs, right? But there's like more than 50%. I want to say it's like 60% of the actual number of pararescue and combat rescue officers actually work in the Guard Reserve, right? So that's one huge thing. And then ACC, the Air Combat Command, has a need for dedicated, trained, and assigned pararescue and combat rescue officers that work at rescue squadrons to support the larger air effort. So it, it stands to reason the Air Force has planes. There are people in those planes or in the unmanned aircraft. There's things that we don't want to fall into enemy hands. You're going to need pararescue and combat rescue officers to train, equip, employ, and deploy to support that function. Period. End of story. So pararescue is always going to have a PR mission. They're always, as long as there are planes and as long as there are people in the Air Force, pararescue in that sense is going to have a mission. Now, when it starts to get wonky, is when we start talking about ST and how pararescue integrates into ST. There's a whole lot of things that are out there. And again, I do not have any desire to talk about uh, conversations I've been involved in in any of the working groups. And I do not want to aggrandize myself or make it seem like I have information that everybody else does because I don't. I don't know. It sounds like you're making the decisions. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely not. God forbid. Um, I wasn't even, I was actually there just to take the trash out. That's a fun story. Uh, I was there. I was a coffee boy. I was just there. Uh, anyway, Which the is point a really important job. It really is. Yeah. And I failed at that as well. And I was counseled for it. So the pararescue community is going to need to find a way to integrate into ST, into that precision strike, into that personal recovery mission, into that, um, you know, soft seed or whatever it is that we're looking forward in the future. Pararescue is going to need to expand their skill set to not only provide an exquisite PR capability, but to integrate onto those small teams and provide value in a bunch of different spots. There are a bunch of initiatives out there, um, both on the ACC side and on the ST side, of how do we evolve pararescue, not only to have a, a gold standard you know, combat medical capability, not only to have a gold standard technical rescue specialist capability, but what else can we do? How can we integrate into global access? How do we integrate? You know, what other skill sets could we take on that actually support what we're trying to do in the future? Is that integration of an extra cyber capability? Pararescue men are well known as being some of the most versatile folks on the face of the planet. Of course, they could integrate those skill sets. The question is, is how do we want to formalize it? Because right now there are PJs that are learned, like there are PJs that are snipers. There are PJs that are dog handlers. There are PJs that, that run exquisite tech platforms from their ATAC on their chest. There are PJs that know how to fly the drones. There are PJs that can help out with the DCP teams and that can help out with global access. The question is, how do we formalize it? One. And two, how do we get all of those different commands that I mentioned on the same page to say, this is what a PJ looks like? Because what's going to kill us, and I'll tell you what I'm worried about in the future, is when a command, like let's say ST says, well, I want a PJ, but I want a PJ to look like this. And the Guard and Reserve Command goes, yeah, tight, but we don't want PJs to look like that. We have a stateside mission. And then ACC goes, okay, well, Guard and Reserve, that, that's cool that you guys have the stateside mission. It's cool, ST, that you're doing this thing. But the Air Force, the United States Air Force, who pays our checks wants PJs to look like this. And then you have those three commands sort of at odds. And this happens all the time with like equipment. There was this big, you know, to, to use the cleanest example, the guard reserve was using one parachute. The active duty guys had another parachute and that ST dudes were using like MC. Of course, ST was still jumping like MC fours with, yeah, whatever. Um, and they couldn't even like the, the three different parachute systems still exist to this day. Like the ST got an upgrade to the RA one um, ACC is using RA one and double bag static line. You're not seeing a ton of double bag static line over and whatever, but that's just uh, imagine that on, on a much more grand scale. Imagine we're not having differences of opinion just in what equipment that we're using or what safe to use or what works best for your mission. Imagine on if you're actually talking about the, the, Things that make a PJ as we know it today a PJ. That being said, 
I think the pararescue career field is the most stable moving forward because you can always go back to that. CSAR is always min force. I can tell you, I can't tell you what ST is going to look like in the future for sure. I, I can guess, I can give my opinion. I can say, I think I know what it's going to look like, but I can tell you one thing for sure. Annex five of your mission planning is going to be your EPA and it's going to be your recovery plan. And somewhere in there, you're going to need CSAR and PR and PJs are going to provide that for air force teams. So I don't, I don't know how it is that we integrate in some of those other, you know, two or three level deep discussions, but I can tell you that as long as there's planes, as long as there's teams on the ground, as long as there's people in harm's way anywhere, pararescue is going to exist and be of use. It just depends on how we move forward on on that unity of command sort of area to where, you know, how, how, how together is the tribe going to be? How, how closely related are we all going to be? And, and are we all moving in the same direction together? Trent? No, you're next. I asked the question. <laughs> He's right. He, we can rewind the tape, uh, but that yeah. is true. There, there's <laughs> no tape. There's, no, I, I can go. I don't, I don't mind. No, no. Go for it. Yeah, uh, for for SR, I think I've I've been super vague about most of the stuff all the time because people want me to tell them exactly what's going on. But really, the way I see it is, is we exist to to solve problems and to create problems, right? Whether you're you're on, on one side of the fence or the other, you're a friend or foe. Um, but like every everything that we put in the CFETP, which I don't think is classified, is is coming around. People are executing th those mission sets right now, and as we move into the future. I, th I think it's easy for us to be like, hey, like we all need like all these capabilities and, and then everybody's met like this ST guy that can do a little bit of everything. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, the 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 uh, tendency is to be like, I want more of those guys. Right. Mm -hmm. But like I, I was writing some stuff down while you were talking, uh, Aaron, because I wasn't paying attention. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. But like I, on ramblings. teams like incoherent like, rambling. Yeah. Yeah. Like outside of like in like normal speak. Right. Like. Teams have a bunch of different people. They have your, your specialists, your jack of all trades, your leaders, your planners, your innovators, and a bunch of other people, right? Like you can't have that that one person that can do all those things on every single team. Mm -hmm. um, so More like, yeah, much much less an entire force of that dude. Like sometimes that is one dude. You can't reproduce that over five hundred people, right? So like, I, I think some of the problems that we run into is like, you know, I'll, I'll meet a combat controller that can definitely do everything an SR guy can do, especially mm -hmm. maybe just like a little bit of training or maybe I've met a combat controller that is doing exactly what my guys are doing. Um, no one is <laughs> saying that that's not possible. What we're saying is you need specialists and you need people that are responsible for certain parts of every single mission set. And so if I'm, you know, moving my guys in through, you know, civilian clothes into a country a to do X, Y, and Z, and I need a rescue capability, or I need someone that knows about, you know, fires or air traffic control and all these other things, we can integrate those people onto the team or my guys can integrate onto a team if they need a little more of that, um, you know, reconnaissance, EW, MSO capability or whatever is needed uh, or, or drone capability. And no one is saying that you can't, the, like the capability of the individual does not reside in every single career field. Mm -hmm. But I am saying that not everyone, no matter how special you think these guys are, everyone can't do everything. Right. You will never get it done. And it's it. The magic happens when we just throw dudes together and they figure it out and that everybody knows their role and they move forward trying to artificially create that entire force of people that can do everything is never going to work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's I never going to work. I said very little about <laughs> that's, SR, not, that's what you took away from that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's what Pete just took away from it. All right. It's never going to work. Podcast over. Button it up, boys. <laughs> Call it quits. So peaches, CCT. Uh, what, what what do you think? And I'm I'm writing a couple things down, and I was like, oh, I don't know what that acronym is, and I was gonna go look it up, <laughs> but I'll just work my way through it. So in terms of, and I'll talk to to TACP as well. So uh, TACP leadership out there, you're welcome. And I'm sorry if I'm I'm messing this up because I have you're welcome. And I'm sorry is a is an elite had, start. Yeah, I have not had the all the conversations with you. So uh, don't hold me to this tag B career field, but um, so combat control and tag B are still going to do your, your things like global access, precision strike and personnel recovery. They will be involved in all three of those, those three missions as global access, precision recovery or precision strike and personnel recovery include 
PJs, CCT, SR, and TACPs, like all of them. Um, because every, everybody plays a certain role in that. If we're going to talk about, well, I won't go into details of it, but, um, right now, combat control and, and TACP are working with things, you know, distributed C2 or distributed command and control, forward edge command and control. And what that means is they are going forward with the capability that they have now. So it's, it's in a, it's in kind of a hybrid global access slash precision strike capability where they are able to get eyes on targets, um, whether they are the ones engaging those targets or they are the ones nominating those targets, or maybe they're providing updates to those locations, or instead of, you know, slinging 10 freaking, you know, munitions at one target, uh, maybe we're just slinging three so that we can, you know, not waste munitions. Um, and why would we throw three at a target? Well, there's reasons, um, you know, in case some miss or you make sure that you destroy it or whatever. So, um, and they are using equipment that they have now and capabilities and skill sets they have now to be able to do that in, you know, forward, forward edge being, you know, beyond the, the enemy line, basically in enemy territory. So they're doing that. Not only are they, you know, nominating tar or not nominating targets, updating targets, providing battle hit assessment, but they're also a, a calm relay so that because they have a capability of doing, um, Sipper, Merc Chat, TSMX. I know I'm, I'm, I couldn't even possibly tell you what these acronyms are on all of them, you know, <laughs> right. but like yeah, yeah. these are all methods of communication to include, you know, high frequency or HF, UHF, VHF, um, link 16. So that your tactical data links, like this is a capability that all of our dudes have on their backs or, or in a vehicle that they're in and they're forward and, and being able to link that. So because in a future fight, we may not have, that air superiority that we think or that we've gotten so used to throughout the years. So there, the, there's that aspect of it just within SOCOM doing, uh, continuing on doing all of those core missions that SOCOM has, you know, your direct actions, your, uh, your FIDs, your, your recoveries, like all still doing all that kind of stuff because air force special warfare actually has kind of two bosses, um, not, not including, you know, garden and, uh, reserves, but like active duty, you know, we've got the air force who's our boss and we have SOCOM who is our boss. Mm -hmm. Like, so we have to, we have to, you know, both it's a, it's a mom and dad situation. Sometimes we, we almost, we, we are always working for the air force. Most of the time we are still working for SOCOM, but occasionally yeah. there are air force requirements that we have to satisfy. Mm -hmm. And that's just the way it is. And, and, you know, for the last 20 years, SOCOM has been the supported entity from the Navy, the Air Force, and other services. In this next fight, if it goes the way everything's trending, then it's going to be Navy and Air Force are the supported by SOCOM. Like, that's, you know, and, and I, I am... I am oversimplifying it. I, I know that. And, and we are not talking classified and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot more details in it, right? Yeah. But so, I mean, when you, you're talking about, you know, electronic warfare, um, you know, TACPs, the TACP career field is going down a, a doing set teams. And I think it's sensing and exploitation teams, I believe is what the, the acronym is, you know, where they're integrating with, they've got PJs and they've got TACPs and they've got, um, some other, other folks with them as well, doing that kind of stuff, you know, that, that all that is being created and built now to help solve a future problem or a, a gap in the market that we're seeing right now that, that needs to be, have a solution to it. So that was a long, whatever, what that was five minute ramble, but there you go. Well, and it, it ties into exactly one of JT's points and it, it wasn't the point he intended to make, but it's the point that we're kind of talking about now. And his, his, his question was, well, I don't really see a place for that E5, TACP, JTAC. I don't see a place in the future fight. And Jared, you just laid it out perfectly for why that person needs to exist. And Trent, you responded in in real time with JT and you said, no, that's exactly what that E5, TACP that's going to figure out solutions to these really hard problems from the tactical level. 
everything that we do is solved from the tactical level up, not the strategic level down. And sometimes this really screws us up because our senior leaders will look at us and we feel frustrated because the senior leaders look at us and go, I don't know, fix the problem. You tell us what we're supposed to do, but that's how we fix these problems. Everything that we have ever done, every large scale solution to any problem that we've come up with, it didn't come from a senior leader working group. It came from E5s on the team that were making things happen in real time. And that's what we're seeing evolve here. And I know that some pe people view it two ways, right? They look at that and we're like, oh, we don't have direction. We don't know where we're going. These people don't know how to tell us where to go. Just give us the answer. I'm on the other side of that coin because it's two sides of the same coin. And Jared, I think you and I and Trent, I think we all align pretty good on this one. I'm on the other side of that coin. I'm like, oh, wait, we get to tell you what this solution is. I get to build what I'm going to do in the future right now. Oh, then let me lean in hard. Let me figure. And we're going to fail. We're going to come up with stuff that people look at it and they're like, that's a dumb idea. Like that team is never going to work. This thing is never going to work. Okay, well, let me try it. Let me see if it does work. Give me the space to innovate. Give me the space to lean into this problem. Give me the space to fix it from the ground up. And what you're going to need on that baseline, and we've been talking about building blocks, right? Take it all the way back to the beginning of the podcast. We told you we were going to lay out breadcrumbs. You have basic training, somebody that's ramped up to take on more stress than we ever did because we didn't bother yelling at them right off the bus. Then we prepare them for the pipeline by a, a formalized SWIC program with the best that we can possibly give them. And I get it, old guys. You didn't get it when you were there. Tough, tough shit. Moving on. We have a better pipeline. We have better training schools. We have better ideas of where we're going to go forward with unity of command. We're having hard conversations with each other and sometimes poking each other in the chest and going, hey, you don't understand what it is. We're going to build this from the ground up. That's how we're building the entire pipeline. It's how we've revolutionized everything we've done in the last 20 years. I'd like to think that we learned something from GWAT. And I think this inflection point, which is the words I'm supposed to use that we're in right now, has more opportunity than it does. Uh, it has more opportunity for change and for better change than it does risk to go away. Um, and if you look at it like that, you're actually able to, I don't know, not hate your life every day and not be cynical and not sit on the sidelines and just make memes about it. You can actually engage in a meaningful way and make everybody relevant moving forward. Well, and, and I, I just want to ask like senior leaders out there, if anybody's still listening to this, like we, we, we've, we talked about like where we're going and all these other things. And I, I've seen the, the, the conversation about capability requirements mm -hmm. versus like color of hats over and over and over again. But like, I just want to ask the question, like before GWAT, how many combat controllers and TACPs were dropping bombs in combat? Like, but the capability existed. How many PJs were making combat rescues? Like how many? Or integrating uh, the know, SEAL teams, integrate, like there were very few yeah. that were doing that. Like we were doing it as a larger force and we were doing things that Pararescue was never doing before, carrying blood. How many PJs were carrying blood before GWAT? Yeah. I mean, how many of my guys were out there like doing, you know, whatever, the weather stuff on the forward line in a combat situation like it just didn't exist but the capability existed so everybody that's like hey like why do we like need to build towards these capabilities capabilities when there's not an emergent need for these things right now that's why and you need to let the people that are closest to the problem like tell you what that that capability requirement is and i can tell you after talking to a lot of my guys that are on the leading edge of all these problem sets like not all the capabilities that i'm putting into my career field flow across every single squadron unit and all these other things, but that the, the capability is important for these guys. And if, if my like staff sergeants and tech sergeants are telling me that this is important and these are the things that we need to get after because they can see into the future and they can see, you know, their lives being on the line based on these capabilities or not, like that's what we need to be building towards. Not like, Oh, this costing us money right now. And I don't see like my, like how many guys are out there like shooting people in the face today. Not very many, but guess what? You want to lose that capability? No, you want that capability and those people that out there that can solve the problems and, you know, break glass in case of emergency folks that can, you know, solve problems and create problems uh, in the future fight, no matter what. That, that almost feels like a soft truth, does it not? Peaches, can, can soft forces be manufactured after an incident? Nope. I don't they believe that they can. Mass -produced. I don't believe they can be mass produced. It's almost like we have a building block and we have a way forward if we would just lean into it and really put forth our ideas peaches what do you got to close big dog nothing man uh it why say why why would i say nothing and then go right <laughs> we all do it. Oh, what man. do i got oh nothing but anyway here i, I got anyway, a, i got a lot of stuff here's four oh, paragraphs 
I, I think it's a good conversation. It, it, and it's actually one that it, for the folks out there, believe it or not, we, we actually have these conversations like not on podcasts. We have these conversations, uh, with the three of us in the gym, the at the bar on yeah. text, it, like with each other, Trent brings this up or we're trying to go to sleep in the same hotel room all the time. But I mean, like it's it's because we are always trying to be relevant and trying to be the best that we possibly can and and evolve because we want we we never want to be in lag. We never want to be behind. We always need to be playing chess, not checkers, to be in front of folks. Um, so that's that's why. So these conversations are not just for a pod for you guys to see or listen to or just completely ignore. Um like we, we have these conversations. So I, I got nothing else, man. Probably a good place to end it. Feels that way. Oh, oh, uh, that. oh yeah, peaches. Oh yeah. <laughs> you can't smoke me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, we're not quitting, right? Oh yeah. We, we quit. <laughs> no, we're, we're quitting. quitting. No, and we, we quit right after the smoke session. <laughs> right. After the right. Smoke. I, and, and also after they already said, Hey, if we could just get one quitter, we'll, we'll oh. stop this right now. And then you finish the smoke session and then you quit. Oh man. One of the officers on my teams when I was going through, he no kidding briefed the team. And this was like, he he was totally serious too. Like he was very mad. You can tell when an officer is giving a briefing to give a briefing and you can tell when they connect to what they're saying and they're angry about it. He was super mad about it because somebody quit uh, during like a set. Somebody quit like, late in the day or something like there, there was no provocation he brings everybody together when we get back to the dorms and he was jumping into our shit and he's like i swear to god if you want to quit you at least make it count for the team you wait yeah. until the instructor says that we can be done and that's when you quit if you want to quit at least be considerate <laughs> like he got down and i pulled him aside i was like dude about it i was like dude are you okay he's like nothing pisses me off more than that I mean, he was right. He was right. He was right. Selfish people putting their own personal desires. If you're going to quit, at least make even make your quit. You know, something that's a, that's something that's good. Make but uh, yeah, make it magnificent. Yeah, don't quit. All right, everybody, it's a good place to let to uh, close. Follow us on everything we're doing. Uh, we got big updates coming for you on the website. We got big updates coming for you on the podcast. We got big updates coming on some other podcasts and some other stuff that we got in the works because we we always got our little hands meddling and stuff. So follow us on everything hit us up on the dms if you need anything follow us on instagram facebook wherever you get your podcast follow the youtube channel appreciate everybody coming out keep your eyes peeled we got big stuff coming for now train hard thanks